Hello and welcome to the next instalment of the Flash Forward Consulting Podcast. I suppose the first question we have to ask, Alex, is where have we been? Where have you been? Well, there was the cricket season and then we had the mm. football season. But um, So I've been a bit busy on that front. But we've been really uh, manic, actually, on the uh, work front, delighting customers and delighting titillating customers our customers in public transport. It's, tr- it's difficult because these, these podcasts work better face-to-face like any sort of business relationship yeah but it is but generally it is better to i think to try and interact face to face i just think gets a better result oh i agree and absence makes the heart stronger i do you know i am quite into skype but mm. um i worry about the technology but there's nothing better than face to face a good so. old chinwag and a gossip yeah 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 so here we are then so what are we going to talk about is it we, you, you wanted to talk about the rail review didn't you Mark? yeah uh, maybe you can demystify it for me a little bit because there's almost so much um, negative news around some of these things. I I don't really know. Is there any positive that can be pulled out of it? Well, I think I've got a positive perspective on this. I think something had to happen. Well, firstly, we've had previous reviews. We had the Shaw review, which is very good. We had the McNulty um, uh, report some time ago now, and, and you know they, they all had their merits. But I think what we've had is we've had all these issues in the rail industry that have kind of cataclysmically, if there is such a word, built up to create a pressing need for a fundamental review of the structure of the industry. You know, you've got franchise operators that aren't making any money or much money. You've got performance has been pretty grim over the last 18 months. In fact, it's the worst since, I think, 2006 now. Customer satisfaction levels have plateaued and in some respects gone backwards. Um, there's always this this issue around in a network rail. Is it is it is it really serving the needs of the customers or not? My mates ask me. Yeah. Why do the government not just give companies management contracts to manage these franchises? Why is there so much risk being taken? Well, I mean, there are management contracts at the end yeah. of the day, and and my concern about management contracts are that they don't incentivise the yeah. train operating companies to look to grow the business commercially. I always thought that probably one of the most boring jobs in the rail industry must be in the marketing department at a, uh, a, a, a company that's on a management contract, because A, we all know that in some respects the rail industry isn't as competitive commercially as the bus industry because competition is is less obvious and intense. Um, you know, I'm not saying they have monopolies, these train companies, but you know, there are only a few areas where there's head on head on head um, you know, competition in the industry. So I, I would argue that management contracts is actually can make it a slightly dull um, place to work and yeah. don't incentivize the And operator. of course one of the, the big successes of in the last uh, the last fifteen years, in terms of growth, is is you know off peak travel and people who didn't previously use the train and filling capacity in the in the off peak. Oh, absolutely! Period. I mean, you look at the early years, and of that and that is as a result of innovation and looking yeah, in yeah, a different yeah, yeah, yeah. way. Look at the early years of privatisation. The MDs of the train operating companies were real, true, genuine MDs owning the P and Ls. I'm not saying they don't do that now, but they had a lot more scope to be innovative, lateral thinking, creative. And that was the period where, you know, despite what happened with, you know, um, Hatfield, with, you know, all the, the travails of the rail industry, sort of the late 90s, early early noughties, performance-wise, um, the industry managed to achieve growth. Um, and and it has been a success story. And you had you know, lots of, you know, innovative fares, mm-hmm. um, CRM programs, yield management, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But they're, they're, they're also... There's a narrative, and I've had this discussion with my brother, 
there's a narrative out there which is privatisation has resulted in high fares, has resulted in profits, and that means I have to pay more for my train ticket than I would have done in in, in a public ownership scenario. And that is an incorrect narrative. But I don't know what the fight back is to that, because there is there's certainly a, a number of the general public who think, well, my train ticket is so expensive because the private company is making a profit. Mm. Now, you know, how could it be possibly any further than the actual reality? But the industry has to fight back against that narrative, I think. Well, I, I, I agree with you. And, and I, I think if you look at the rhetoric from, you know, the transport pressure groups, you look from what you hear from customers in the, in, and the media, apart from the occasional stories where they show, you know, the chief execs pay of various train companies or, uh, or they show them in a nice lavish houses and so on. These are rare, those stories. They do crop up from time to time. Mm. I think generally the tide has turned and I don't think that people... Largely, I don't think they think anymore that it's fat cats in these privatised companies making you know money hand over fist. I think the reality is beginning to set in that these train operating companies are in financial problems. Mm. And you know, look at the bailout um, on e- on East Coast. I think that was a salutary you know, reminder, or, or for the first time, it was notification to to many people that they don't make lots of money. These train companies. Um, I mean, you only need to look at Southwest Trains at the moment. You know, I, I live on a sleepy branch. We see revenue protection inspectors going through the train at any time of night and day at the moment. And that is a surefire sign of a company that wants to mm. recoup money very quickly and very effectively because growth um, has, has, has plateaued. And, yeah. and, and let, let's be honest, Mark. Part of the problems that these train companies have at the moment is societal changes. So, you know, whereas where I live in Shepparton... In the old days, everyone used to have an annual season ticket. You know, read yeah. Shepparton, read anywhere in Kent, Surrey, and home counties. Yeah. Commuting five days a week to work. They don't do that anymore. No. Flexible working, yeah. working from home. Um, it, it just doesn't happen. And that's what's affecting train companies. So, so back to the rail review. Um, I think the interesting thing about the rail review is, is when is it going to, when is it going to climax? Because my understanding is that I'm, I'm not convinced, you know, here we are, the end of November, um, I'm not convinced it's really, really got up and running yet. Um, got a talented man at the helm, Keith Williams, but equally, you know, he's a busy man. He's just been appointed the deputy chairman of, of, of Royal Mail. Um, and it went, so when's it due to? Well, I mean, there's not been a, a, a distinct timeline. I think it could, it could last a year. It could last two years potentially. Might, so after the. I reckon after the new year, of March after, the new year. I think after the new year, into yeah. the new year, I think it will rev up. Um, I think it's been a bit quiet at the moment. Um, Keith's obviously a busy man. He's got a, a big portfolio. I'm sure he's aware of the, the gravity of the situation in terms of the rail industry. He's really waiting with bated breath um, for the results of this. Um, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. Okay. I've got an anecdote for you, right? And you're a rail person with more with more experience for me now we used when i grew up we lived in west Bycliffe. my old man interesting what you say about people having a, a season ticket my old man had a season ticket west Bycliffe to waterloo and he used to get the can't remember was was just three minutes past five or whatever every single day from waterloo mm. because you know that was that was his train yeah first stop was west Bycliffe. so in the good old days mm. now he said that the reason the first stop was West Byfleet was because someone who planned the timetable, this was amongst the West Byfleet commuters, 
someone who planned the timetable lived in West Byfleet and so planned specifically for that train to stop only at West Byfleet, hence blocking up the main line mm. for everyone else and all the rest of it. The first, now, did that, is that how services used to be planned? Were they genuinely planned around that one influential person who wanted to get off the train at West Byfleet? I mean, you never really get to see the hard facts, but I think it's common knowledge that 25 plus years ago, 30, 40 years ago, I think there are pockets where that has happened in the industry, just as there's pockets where things like that have happened in the bus industry, you know, stops have popped up in certain places and routes have, you know, gone down certain roads because, you know, the chief exec or someone big in the community yeah. lived there. I, I, I would say, so if I were betting that, true. I'd, I'd say that was. I mean, well, I it worked what, very well for my well, But interesting, when you when you started saying that, I thought of my dad, for instance. Now, my dad used to commute on the 5 to 8 train from Alpington to Cannon Street, non-stop, every single day for 35 years. And then he used to get the 5 to 6 train home in the evening from Cannon Street to, to Alpington for 35 years, religiously, People don't do that anymore. No, People do not, no. you know, and he he didn't, he had a senior job. He didn't travel around the country like I do. It, you know, he sat in the office eight, eight hours a day, routine, just routine. Life, it just it? doesn't happen like no. that. So you can imagine, and he, everyone did it back then. Yeah. You can imagine that all has an impact yeah, on, you know, yeah. the stable diet of these commuter tops. So yeah, yeah. anyway, I'm, I'm looking forward to the rail review. I hope it focuses on customer service. I hope it doesn't just focus on the big ticket issues. I hope it focuses on things like how do you create a culture in the train operating company and within network rail that is customer centric in a way that John Lewis, where he's had a successful time at, he's had a successful career at British Airways as well, which, you know, we complain about BA, but they generally are more customer centric than, than train and bus companies. Um, you know, let's let's look at why is it the rail industry sometimes accepts second best mentality towards customer service. Mm. Let's look at how they manage disruption. Let's look at how they manage the social media. Let's look at the onboard products on these train companies. Let's not just focus on should we have an integrated setup. You know, how should network rail split itself up? Should yeah. it be eight regions or one region yeah, or etc. Yeah. etc. Let's look at everything, but let's be customer-led. This report should have the word customer in every other sentence, basically. Yeah. Otherwise, it'll go somewhere else. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. So yeah. I'm excited. You should be excited too, Mark. Um, well, after that, I will I will be excited. Um, other piece of news, in fact, I read in your auspicious column uh, a couple of weeks ago about a restructuring in Arriva and a re-centralisation or a change of approach and obviously that you know that brings with it uncertainty and um that's obviously very difficult for the people involved but also something we touched on before the idea of the balance in a bus company between the center and the regions and you touched on that in your article and i think um i think you make some good points in that article and i and and i i suppose to an extent you fear for some of the the decentralized functions uh, within that organisation at the moment, and and it may not end well. Well, yeah, I mean, I've I've gone a bit of a roller coaster of emotions towards this. So, so when this was announced, I had a lot of people railing at me. You know, um, the, the the 
Roger French, you know, very, very highly respected um, icon in the bus industry. You know, he did he did a couple of blogs, I think, and some tweets around. You know, he, he thought it was it was a really poor idea, and I think that he feared that the MDs would become like branch managers. I spoke to a lot of very well known people in the industry. I, I, I won't name to embarrass them, and and people that are suppliers to the industry, high profile people, and they were all very emotional about this and, and thought it was doomed to fail. Um, you know, I've had some really strong language when it, when I talk to people about this. I initially was about to jump on the bandwagon, and I reflected on this a bit, and, and I, I think something's got to give, a bit like the Rail Review here, in that um, someone's got to try and do something differently, because the current setup, the margins are not sufficiently strong, I don't think, to maintain the current no. setups in these bus companies of, you know, um, boards of directors in, in lots of different regions. Yeah, yeah. So in, in, in some respects, fair play to Ian Yago, the interim um, head of uh, Riva's bus division, um, for having the conviction and still to do this. On the other hand, though, we must not lose sight that these are local businesses that are serving local markets, they need to be customer-led, and you should view these these regions or companies as profit centres. The problem is, too often the big owning groups just look at you know the thirty places they 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 uh, you know run buses out of and think of them as costs. They think of them immediately as a burden. But oh. the counter to that is, if you look at someone like Marks and Spencer, who have been closing stores and taking staff out of stores uh, and reducing management overhead of those stores. And, uh, and that, that is ultimately a very centralised business because you can't put a pair of knickers where you want to in your shop if you're Marks & Spencer's. They have to go in a particular space which is dictated by the centre. Really? I didn't yeah, know yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I don't normally go in the women's underwear. Well, I've so. spent a fair bit of time a weekend. in there. Um, and so there is, so that con- central control and diktat does work for retailers. Mm. Um, now, I don't think anyone in the bus industry has actually mastered it, but they don't really give their managers a great deal of latitude. You know, it's the same in supermarkets. You know, if the digestives are on the shelf end this week because they're on offer. That's what's going on the shelf end. So it's not a model that, that doesn't work elsewhere. That's interesting, yeah. Yeah. But I but but I, you know that I suppose a Tesco or a Marks and Spencer is much more of a cookie cutter type business than a bus route is because, you know, roads and towns are different where Yeah, they've they got are. different characteristics yeah. and they yeah. And they But they but 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 the retailers are responding to what the market is you know what's happening in the market less people coming into their shops so they're having to reduce square footage and, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and 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 take out management headcount so i don't see that it's you know it's it's it could just be but business responding to what well, market no it's so. a good point though but isn't your you know let's say your marks and spencers and you've got this you know range of product let's say you've got you know like 30,000 products you have in a typical store Aren't those thirty thousand products transferable to any store in the UK? You know, white, you know, white, you know, women's underwear, uh, silk women's underwear in Surbiton, um, if there is a Marks and Spencers Surbiton, you know, isn't that isn't it as likely to sell in Edinburgh's Marks and Spencers as it is in in yeah. Marks and Spencers? Whereas you know, the number thirty three bus but, but that's then, painted red but, but, might not appeal to someone in Harrogate. Yeah, but their model is is a highly 
a highly responsive and intelligent centre yes, dictating yeah, yeah, yeah. what yeah. the stores do based on data mm-hmm. and customer surveys mm-hmm. and, t- and done on a macro scale, I suppose, a country-wide yeah. scale. So they're not thinking, well, you know, um, red men's underpants mm-hmm. are going to sell better in Harrogate than they do yeah. in Surbiton. They're thinking red men's underpants are what we're mm-hmm. going to sell mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. of this mm-hmm. month. Um, the key is, though is the strength and the ability of the central function to understand and get the data and understand the demographics of all the individual regions. So, you know, Grimsby's social economic data is going to be highly different to Keithley, to Penzance and wherever, wherever. And and sometimes some of these locations are are hugely complex. You know, we we, we looked at Keithley fairly recently. I mean, what a... What a melting pot that is of, of yeah. you know complex societal issues at play, and you know for Keithley there's there's hundreds of these locations in the UK. Is some one at the centre in London or wherever? Are they really going to understand it in a way that your local manager is is going to understand it? I don't know. Those people at the centre have got to spend time on the road, immersing themselves in the regions they serve. And and I, I joke, but we did a piece of work fairly recently. Why do young people not, not travel by bus in a certain city that I won't mention? I sent a group of young people, and I went out myself, out onto the nightclubbing dance floors, talking to young people. Why don't you travel with this bus company? These people at the centre in Arriva have got to do things like that. Yeah. Um, my other fear is I just worry that you'll kind of lose the goodwill of some of the real really experienced people in the bus industry that it's difficult enough to attract people to the bus industry if you know some of these heavyweight players in Arriva or any of the big owning groups if they think that they're going to or they feel they're going to just be branch managers um you know it's all very well saving six-figure salaries where they get paid that but equally you could make this a joyless place to work that they go and yeah i mean go I, elsewhere. I, I don't argue that if you're a store manager of tesco or marks and spencer you're effectively a you're an implementer of the decision. Yes, yes. And that's not going to... A, not know, they will have a problem so sexy, with talent no, 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 with, no, no, in, no. in those places yeah. because you... It's not so sexy. It's not very interesting. They have him said, it's easy to sit here and say, how dare Ariba do that? Gosh, they don't know anything about the industry. They're, you know, what do they know about buses? Because a lot of, you know, this this was apparently in the idea of Kevin O'Connor who was new to the industry and didn't, didn't stay long. Ian Yago is now the, the new head of Arriva Bus Division. Hugely successful career. Um, I believe it was a British Airways. He's been with the, been in the industry just under a year. A lot of people say, well, what do they know? Well, actually, you actually sometimes need that clinical um, uh, clinical perspective without the baggage, without the emotional attachment, having worked in the bus industry for a long period of time. Yeah. So fair play, I think, for the two of them to, to, to use that clinicism. Um, all I would say is, I think they should go in it with a measured approach and mm. review it. I'm sure they will anyway. They don't need me to suggest that. Um, it, it's not all or nothing, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. So am I excited? I wouldn't say I'm excited. I'm cautious watching with interest, as I'm sure you are, Mark. Absolutely. So you've been... And you've been snapping. I have been snapping. So I travelled... I've been meaning to snap, but I... Well, I travelled on the snap, the new demand-responsive, crowd-funded... Coach service. Is it a revolution? Um, it's good. It's, it's really, really good. Now, the interesting thing about it is that the coaches 
are uh, they're, they're they're not owned by Snap. They're all you know, it's like yeah. national, so it's all yeah, subbed they're out. All subbed but they out. They're, they're not branded. So no. there's, there's like a sign on the front that says Snap. Um, there's some great texts you get beforehand. Thomas Abelman, if you ever meet him, I'm sure you've met him yeah. when you were at NX. You know, I mean, crikey, this guy's got so much energy. I've never seen anything like him before. Um, really passionate about customer service. I met him before I travelled to Leicester. Um, just a really energetic guy. But it, was it a journey that you needed to make? Yes. Or did you yes. force yourself into it? No. I tell you right. what, I, had a, I, I, I have a day job at Royal Mail. Yeah. And I had a meeting with a key customer um, on the outskirts of Leicester, British Gas it was. And I needed to be there for 1.30 for the meeting. And I called the 10.05 coach to Leicester. And I didn't know this before I travelled. It stopped five minutes away from where my meeting was, which is a pig of a place to get to by yeah. rail because it's on the outskirts of Leicester on some big industrial estate. It was Foss Park near retail oh, yeah. estate. Even had time to go to McDonald's beforehand. What did Great. you have? I had a, a Big Mac meal with ketchup and Fanta nice. as the drink medium. Um, brilliant journey. Driver was so friendly, smart. He said it's a privilege to have been chosen to, to run this service. That's nice. And and I said to Thomas beforehand, I said, oh, was he the driver tomorrow? He's, Thomas turned around and he says, there's no 10.05 to Leicester tomorrow. Yeah. They don't have a timetable. Yeah. If enough people want to travel, they'll go wherever you want, basically. But do they not then need an absolute critical mass of people using their... Because like, what if three people want to go? Well, I, I, I he's got algorithms that, that basically... If a certain number of people, I don't know how many it is, but if a certain number of people want to go, if there's demand to go to Birmingham, they'll run a coach to Birmingham. Yeah. If they want to go to Watson, they'll run a coach. And the but, like, but I want to know if I can go tomorrow. I want to know today. I don't want to wait for another 10 people. Well, I think you would have to go on the website. Yeah. And see, you'd have to still go on and see, can I go to Leicester? Yeah, yeah. Um, and is, see, I, I looked up about a week ago, and a week ago there were about, you know, I think there were probably about 10 or 11 people have booked. Yeah. How many other um, people were on the coach? Well, you? they'd sold 21 tickets, and there were, I think there were about 12 or 13 on board. So it's not, you might say it's not truly de- demand responsive, because yes, because, okay, I want to go to Carl Shorten to watch my local non-league team play football yeah. on uh, Saturday. Uh, you know, I'm not going to be able to do that with no, Snap. No. So, you know, you've got to have some common sense. It's big cities. Yeah, go big to. city to big city. Yeah. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So it's not entirely demand responsive. It's the nearest damn thing to it. Yeah. Um, and I I was worried the fact that it wasn't going to be branded and you were going to use a whole multitude of different individual coach suppliers, that it wouldn't be, the customer service wouldn't be sharp. But what I realised that actually all these coach companies, because they're small coach companies or medium-sized, they probably care about customers more. Yeah, so you, you actually get the benefit of that. Well, and, and I suppose there's some downside, but you get the benefit of that small coach company friendly driver thing mm. that you don't get with a big operator. No, and they care. I mean, yeah. look, you're a consultant, yeah. I'm a consultant. If I feel that my customers are not happy, I have sleepless nights. Yeah. I generally have yeah, sleepless yeah, nights. Yeah, yeah. Now, as an employee of a company probably had a few sleepless nights really yeah did i worry as much as i'd no, worry no, if you, you yeah, yeah as a yeah. customer weren't happy with it's different. Work. It's, it's different, different. Yeah, it's different yeah. and i could see that so would through. you so so you so from and where so from shepparton yeah you're not going to be snapping from shepparton well no no well i did i did you snap so, from shepparton no 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 i called training to london right yeah and i called six pound fifty coach and you know i saved royal mail about 90 pounds that day and i got there in this quicker time and there was none of the hassle, you know, there wasn't crowded. And what I love when you go on coaches, you notice this, they're so quiet. 
Yeah. No one talks. They're all full of loners no, like there is me. No, talk, yeah. no interaction. Yeah, just brilliant. Just men in other I'd do it again. But the problem was, I got to the meeting and I told everyone about it because I was showing off. Yeah. Because we're doing a bit of cost cutting at Royal Mail at the moment. So I thought, you know, I'll, I'll be the golden boy. People were like, looked at me as if I was some kind of a loser. Yeah. It was just really odd. It so just... if you so if you need to go from London to Leicester again, you've got National Express. You've probably got Megabus. You've got um, East Midlands trains. East Midlands trains. So would you? I, yeah, I would do it. I, I'm not. I'm not ashamed to say it. I would travel there. And what's interesting? So I said to Thomas, oh, I think I might have to travel to Birmingham afterwards. And Thomas goes, Oh, you can travel with us. Go and go. Go with us. Buy a ticket anyway. And then I said, Well, I'm not certain the meeting's happening. There was a coach that could have taken me on to Birmingham for an evening meeting. Um, Brilliant. I would. I would do it again. I went to Cardiff when I was at Royal Mail. I was running the Wales region for for, for Royal Mail. I regularly called the Megabus down mm. to Cardiff. I called NX as well, National mm. Express. Mm. Great, really good. Part of it is the rebel in me. I like sticking two fingers up at people that yeah. turn their nose up at travelling my coach. Yeah. And I know you're a bit like that as yeah, well. Yeah, I, I really want to try it, but I haven't really done a city. Had a need to do a city to city journey. I, no, just, they go my work way, Bristol to London. Yeah, yeah. maybe like yeah. Stroud to. Yeah, 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 You know, could they take me? Come on, they take me to Sainsbury's. That would be perfect. I'm sure if you turn Thomas up, he'll <laughs> stop outside <laughs> your house. He's such a customer focused. That whiz. would be really good. Yeah, yeah, I'd yeah, turn, yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd live with the bottom of the hill. I don't. I can live with the bottom of the hill. You can. You are so lazy these days. You're not even. 36. Well, that is that's a. I, I think we should talk more about this because I think it's fascinating and I, I I hope it's really really successful. I get excited every single time I set foot on a coach because I think this is the way ahead. Yeah, I, I agree really with you. Do. I took one the other day and it was. It's great, isn't it? It was just great. It's beautiful, isn't it? It was great. It's like brilliant. you get there without. Without in any no fuss. time at all. No, 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 no. Yeah, exactly. You, you know? yeah, without any fun. And, yeah. and you can do work. And, and the driver's friendly. I felt it was a Monday morning. It was pouring with rain. I had a coffee with Thomas. He, you know, he just ex- excited me. Mm. Then I got on his coach. Brilliant. Great start to a week. And I hate Mondays. Yeah, yeah. No, well, right. I'm going to snap. Right. Snap, cool. too. Get it? Boom, boom. Yeah, here every week.